When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hi everyone, welcome to Oh What A Night. This week, another big old dose of the good, the bad, the ugly and the beautiful. I'll let you guys decide in which measure they arrive in um, over the course of the last seven days in all things Spurs. Today's dynamic lineup, we've been hit with a bit of bad injury news. Yeah. So Jude Summerfield and Sean suffered uh, failings of late fitness tests. Yep. We have still got our Trek Artista, Hunter Godson, dancing between oh, the lines. Artista. How wow, are you doing? Lovely. I'm very well, thank you. You've survived the weekend just? Just about, yeah. I'm, I'm knackered as well. I'll be honest, you sound like you're on an energy low. And I I'm on an energy low. Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry, I'll get there. But, yeah, no. Off Long the weekend. back of two fairly uh, interesting Spurs performances. And mm. we've made an emergency loan signing in the number 10 row. In comes Evening Standards Finest, Dan Kilpatrick. Hello. A huge coup. Comes with a serial winner with massive XG. <laughs> I think I'm more of a Steven Bergwine type signing. Yeah. Potential on the way up. <laughs> Definitely fit like for purpose. When, when are the other two back? So the other two are back in for, for next week's EP. But, um, so there's nothing they, we can possibly do until they return. The, the, I wish it was <laughs> July the 5th. <laughs> Very stuffed. good. Sean Walsh is on an emergency loan down to Portsmouth. God yeah, knows what he's doing I down there. he's doing something ahead of the FA Cup, right? So let me, let me run you all through what, uh, how the show works. So firstly, we start with Oh What A Night. So I'm going to give you a famous Spurs Oh What A Night and attest your knowledge of Spurs to see whether you can remember the starting eleven from a day on this day ages ago. And you've mm. probably already seen it on Twitter today, the one that I'm going to go for. Then we're going to go into the good, the bad, the ugly and the beautiful from the last two games. That'd be the Leipzig game and the Chelsea game. And then we'll look ahead to what's coming up um, in a week or so's time. And then I've got something a little bit of a surprise for you at the end. Um, so today's Oh What A Night. I've definitely seen this. Yeah, it, we're going I back to 2008. 24th of Feb, off the bat, do you know what I'm going for? Oh, God, no, I, I'm way off. I, 2008 Feb. I, I thought it was going to be League Cup against... Oh, is it? Against it Blackburn? Is, yeah, it wasn't Blackburn. Oh, against Chelsea? It is. Yeah. 24, that today? 24th February, 2008. Oh, of course, yeah, 2008. And, I mean, I assume we all remember the score, but Jonathan would get getting a goal in extra time, mm. which was one of the grubbiest goals that I've ever seen us get to. Oh, that was get. on this day? It was on this day right. in 2008. Yeah. Um, and, I'm I mean... I, I, feeling more confident now. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden. Brilliant. Right, so, I will let Dan, I'll let you take serve on this one. Can you remember the goalkeeper? Oh, I have to start with the goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. We're going like to go that. through the team. I don't like that. See, and the One reason bit. why you will know this is because he was rooted to the spot when Drogba scored that free kick. No, it wasn't even. This is the, He moved the wrong way. Several yards the wrong way. It pissed me off then and it stayed with me. Let me just compose myself. Was it, was it the octopus? It wasn't the octopus. Oh, I'll throw it, it to you, Paul Godson. Robinson. Oh. Robinson. <laughs> so you can come in at right back. Tell me who it was at right oh, back. You a bit of a weird team. This I one. can't believe I've got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. That's criminal. That's what a terrible start. start. But this was, this was a career-defining game for this right back. The best game wow. you probably ever had in a Spurs shirt. Uh, Alan Hutton? It was Alan yes. Hutton. Yes. Then it, we moved to... So it would have been Woodgate... 
King. It was. Oh, hold, hold. I see. I uh, don't get back in. You don't until, up. until uh, he drops. Until uh, he drops the ball. Ah, uh, left back. Asuakote. Incorrect. Now this uh, is a really weird one at left back, because oh, they kind of switched over was, during the game. The two of them, and he wouldn't necessarily have started at left back. He just was. I think we signed him about fifteen times. Hold on. So I'm. Am I going with the, the left back starter? Or the finisher. Yeah, so if we're saying Alan Hutton started at... at, at Chimbonda. Right, it was Chimbonda. Back in the game. Yes, he's suddenly <laughs> taken control. Uh, and we go to the midfield. Now, if you want, we can start with right mid. I don't want. OK, we can start with centre mid. <laughs> Zakora. It was Zakora yeah. alongside. Uh, well, I know someone who came on because there was a quite a, yeah, quite an epic moment late in the game, but I'm pretty sure he was a sub. Um... Cora and uh, I'm so <laughs> Right, I'm going to give you a little bit of a steer. He's not flavour of the month for the Spurs fans at the moment. Is he still playing? He's not still playing, <laughs> right, no, no. but he is still talking about Tottenham. Um, Jenas. It was. Into left or right midfield. I'll let you choose which one first. Okay, I will go with. Um, uh, Malbronk. How have you pulled that? That is nice. world class. That's good. I wouldn't what have got Malbronk. I, would never I loved have got Malbronk. I have to say, I don't. He's sort of a bit of a weird player. He was a he? weird player. Like, you could never really pick what he did. Like what he, he did. Was. He was solid across the board. That's what Steve Malbronk was. Mister Seven out of Not ten. Not very good in the air. <laughs> he was left, I think. So mm. right. This should be easy. I mean, it should be Lennon. Are you going with Aaron Lennon? Well, it should be, but I, I feel like it, for some reason, well, your reaction suggests <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you going, Aaron I'm just trying to not give it away. Uh, it was Aaron Lennon. Yes. And then, and then this is just a gimme now for the final two. Keane. It was. And Berbatov. It was. Yeah. And remember the first goal scorer being Berbatov Berb for that lovely pen. And the epic sub I was thinking of was Tainio. Because he was, didn't even yeah. wind up uh, for... Ferreira or Jogbro or someone late in the game? He I can't did. remember who it was. He did. Came up, Kabul, Tanya and Huddleston all got on the pitch. I was going to say Huddleston instead I was of Jonas, yeah. actually. So I would have got, gone Huddleston, would you, so I would have mm. got it wrong. And uh, the, the weird thing about that game is that I don't actually remember a huge amount happening in the game. Like, I, I, I sort of remember the moment that Woodgate scored and I remember the mm. celebrations and it all being a bit chaotic. It doesn't really bode well, does it? The fact that I can't remember the game the last time that, that Spurs won a trophy. It wasn't particularly uh, incredible game. It was like you said, it was scrappy. It was also on the new Wembley pitch, the new Wembley surface, and it had a lot of people falling over constantly. Uh, Do you remember yes, that? So they'd laid like a top that. player of, yeah. So I just remember a lot of people slipping at vital. Mo Even Woodgate after he scores the goal slips oh, in yeah. the goal. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um. Can you remember? Well, I mean, of course you can remember the man who was in charge. Didn't last very long after that. Uh, that was <laughs> not Martin Yole. Uh oh, I know it, but I I'm forgot. enjoying Hunter floundering I, <laughs> I have his fate. Ramos. It was. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the reason why I think it's interesting that Ramos was in charge is because people talked about him being a serial winner off the back of that. League Cup final. We'd Which win. segues nicely into... <laughs> <laughs> um, it does, actually. Um, so, that we'll, we'll call it there, <laughs> off the back of our Oh What A Night, because it was not an Oh What A Night the other day, or Oh What A Lunchtime against Chelsea. <laughs> so, what I've laid out in front of us is the four cards. So, on each of these cards, they have the good, or the bad, or the ugly, or the beautiful. And to make sure that we have balanced and fair discussion, we'll try and say both the good and the bad, the ugly and the beautiful. Good feature. Yeah, so, I like it. So, you can go first, Dan. Guess on it, and as our starting number 10, you should... I pick be, a card, OK? Yeah, absolutely. Jack of clubs. So, you've got the ugly. So ugly. I mean, and that's quite a nice place to start because the... Well, it's got to be Lacelso, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you had plenty to choose from. Yeah. I mean, from the two games, yeah, you may have La Celso. Well, uh, the, I mean, the, I suppose the ugliest part of the game was the La Celso stamp, but mm. I don't really want to talk about it. It's just another VAR farce, I think. It mm. was just the whole thing, again, just felt so deeply unsatisfactory the from one thing everyone's point of view. You could enlighten us on. How quickly did you get the news that they had admitted that it was a mistake? 
as quick as everyone else when, when BT Sport, well, probably slower than everyone else, in fact, because I had no comms in the press box. It was when BT Sport tweeted it. I think Jake Humphrey yeah, himself tweeted it. And yeah. then uh, the news kind of spread around the press box that Stockley Park had actually said, <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> the VAR got that wrong. Which I don't think that's happened yet, has it? It it's felt like time. a new yeah. depth that it um, plummeted to. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, I, I just find the whole thing so unsatisfactory. I think mm. it's rubbish. I think we should get rid of it, personally. Um, I don't think that will happen. No. So the, you know, the priority just has to be kind of making it better. Um, can I have a think about another ugly you element of the game? Because I, I just, as I said, I don't want to have a lengthy discussion about VAR. No, and I completely agree yeah, with I think you We've, we've sort of gone off talking about VAR on everything. Because yeah. It's just like, it's broken, it's not going to get better. That's where it's at. It's a bit like having Mourinho as your cat. <laughs> it doesn't help doing an hour and a half. Every time's a bad one. Yeah. We see it every single... Like, so, Hunter, have you got another ugly you'd like to throw into the mix? Uh, I, an ugly part of the game for me... Well, both games, I think we set up... Not it's different formations, but similar mentalities. Or, you know, with with the uh, Leipzig game, we rode an early storm, and then just sat in and tried to get them on the counter attack. I wasn't actually that impressed with Leipzig. People have made um, comparisons between Ajax last year and this. We you know a one 0 defeat at home against a team who sort of kept the ball better than us. But it was more, uh, I think, after both games, Mourinho, I, I'm going to say, it's the ugly for me is Mourinho's attitude that there's literally nothing possible in the world that we could have done differently, which is just... Uh, I understand that he's limited in what he has in, attacking, in an attacking sense, but to suggest that the best we could have done was um, play with two defensive wing-backs, sit in and play... We went back to playing long balls over the top quite... It was, I, I, I don't know, I think that's quite an ugly way of putting it. And also, to, I know I'm going to bang the Troy Parrott drum until it's broken, but you say you don't have any strikers and you have an 18-year-old who's incredibly well-regarded. It's never been in Mourinho's sort of wheelhouse to throw them in, but to use them at 60 minutes, at 70 minutes, I tweeted at 70 minutes saying, I don't see how Troy Parrott makes us worse. Is that is, there's no way that he comes on and sort of boots it in his own goal. Even that's just like at least it's on the pitch. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Mm. I have to say, um, I think it, Mourinho's tactics are really dividing the fan base at the moment, aren't they? Like already, you've got one camp saying there's absolutely nothing more we could do, and uh, we sympathise with him, and the other camp uh, saying yeah, it's overly negative. His rhetoric. Um, is, is extremely negative and, and potentially damaging, and it's um, it's all a bit uninspiring. Um, I think you have to, uh, sorry to sit on the fence and be that guy, but I think that you have to see both sides really. I can't think there's a manager in world football, no matter how progressive, who could have come in with Spurs 14th and done a much better job, mm. having lost Ericsson, Kane, Son, Sissoko. Um, and the fitness problems of, of Lamella and Ndombele on, on top of that. Uh, so he is in a really difficult situation, but you know, could he? is there another way? Of course there is. You know, there's always another way. You can always be more adventurous. Would it have been better? Probably, because Spurs have only scored one goal and it's in the last two games and it's an own goal. So I think that there is a kind of fairly compelling case that Mourinho you know, could be a bit more positive and uh, could be setting up uh, in a more proactive way. Um, but we know that from experience that that is not his style. And when you've only been at a club three months and you've got the problems he has, it's kind of understandable that you would revert to you know, what you know. So yeah, it's, it's going to be like this for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. Uh, we've got to, you know, Spurs followers and fans, you know, we've got to prepare for, for that. But um, you know, certainly I think um, it's probably not going to get much clearer really that you're going to still have those two camps so let me just go in a little bit further on that I feel like there's a spectrum I feel like there is one side of the argument is that Mourinho has got his hands tied behind his back and there is quite literally nothing that he can do mm -hmm. and then on the on the flip side is that there is this incredibly agile dynamic solution that that everyone is missing and there was loads that he could have done 
And where I fall down is that even if you're in the middle, even if you're in the middle, you're saying, well, yeah, he's struggling with injuries and, and he's got a lot of difficulties there. There is still something that could be done to change up that game. There's, there is still something. like mm. I saw a lot of chat online saying that starting against Leipzig with a 4-4-2 was quite literally the only option available to him. And I think, well, that's, that, that's, just, that's just not the case. Mm. It's, it's not the case that, he's gonna, that, that he has to start with Bergwijn and Lucas, two fairly short guys that are quite pacey, sit deep and then dump balls up to them. I think that there is other solutions. Um, and my, probably my, the difficulty that I'm having at the moment is just the way in which people seem to be very ready and prepared to swallow that message without even questioning it. I'm not mm. saying it's the wrong message. I'm just saying that to, to blindly follow it um, on one side and then the other side being the traditional media. I'd say there's a lot of people in, in the kind of like old school media group that are saying we've seen this pattern before. This is something that's emerged over the course of Mourinho's last three or four jobs and this is something that's happening again and again and again. Um, it's almost, it, I'd say it's almost kind of not foolhardy, but perhaps a little bit short-sighted not to even take a grain of information from that and be like, do I need to just like recalibrate how Temper I'm seeing this? Yeah. yeah, how I'm seeing this this message. Let's fly on because I, we've done a lot on the ugly there and I feel like we should balance this out. Go on, Hunter, you're in. I'll take this closest to me and I've got the good. Okay. Uh, so, I wouldn't say there was... <laughs> a massive amount of what we consider good to come out of the last couple of games. One good thing is we are still very much in the tie against Leipzig when we go back to their, their place. 1-0, you know, we can overcome that. And I suppose by proxy also in the race for the top four. Absolutely. Well. Look, I know we lost to Chelsea last time and then all of a sudden it felt like we were going to be miles off. But they'll, they'll drop points, we'll drop points, United will drop points, Sheffield United did drop points. Like... We're still, we're still close to top four. We're still in the FA Cup. We're still in the, um, we're still in the Champions League. So there's plenty still to play for. Uh, in terms of good, good things that came out of the two games, I thought uh, Danielson Sanchez has probably had two of his best games of the season. And I had, at times this year, I was wor worrying whether he was moving on, moving forward as a defender. And I, th I think in a back line that's looked quite shaky, I think he's been... I think he's been pretty good. I think he's had a quietly quite good season. Yeah, yeah. With a couple of really low points. Standout points, yeah. What would you have said the, the, the lower ones were? Middlesbrough at home was oh, yeah. beyond terrible. I've rarely seen a worse uh, performance from a centre-back in Spurs colours in the last five years. That was really poor. Uh, it looked by the end like he could barely... Um, control the ball. He was just kind of shanking crosses out of play for corners. Yeah. It was a weirdly low performance, but he actually tends to raise his game for big games. I found Sanchez. He was quite good against City. He was quite good against Liverpool. Mm. Um, obviously, in the last few games, as Hunter says, he was, he was decent. He seems to, uh, yeah, he seems to relish the challenge of playing against stronger, quicker forwards. I find because he likes to test himself physically. He likes to test his pace against. Uh, forward so I think he, he actually prefers playing good players to average ones this game just seems to drop depending on the quality <laughs> of opposition I completely agree with that I feel yeah. like you know whether Davinson Sanchez is going to have a good game or not yeah. if he goes in on a shoulder charge with someone early on in a 50-50 and then smashes him so we've almost seen him grow in stature you know? and like, it tends mm. to be against better opposition that he has one of those and you think yeah he, he fancies I think one of his big it. problems in the last couple of years has been assuming he's stronger and quicker than everyone, because mm. I think he probably was in the Eredivisie. Yeah. And he's actually got in trouble a few times thinking he's stronger than he is or thinking he's quicker than he is. And I think he's probably just learning now what his capabilities are and he's looking better for it. But I definitely think he likes to, to challenge himself in that way. And he's not really the kind of ball-playing centre-half that you might expect Ajax no. to to have sold Spurs, yeah, exactly. <laughs> frankly, he's, he's a different kind of centre-half. Yeah, yeah, he did well though, against Werner especially, who he, because of Aurier's many, many faults, he, came, he ended up one-on-one -on -one with Aurier, um, with, sorry, with Werner, I think several times, and, and won the battle several times, which was, you know, Werner considered one of the best strikers in Europe now. Can I, it, sorry, I was just, oh, no, no. just off the back of that, I was gonna say, can I include in the good then, mm. uh, Hugo Lloris? Yeah, no, you're right. And I should have said Hugo because he's he kept us in it in 
against Leipzig, he kept us in it, and against Chelsea, he made the game less embarrassing than it was. And we're still, like you said, we're still in the tie. I mean, a couple yeah. of really big saves, and also I feel like since he's come back, I'm not going to pretend that he is any longer the the Larice that we signed. He's not a sweeper keeper who is making world class outrageous saves every weekend. He has got a mistake in him now, but. Mm. He certainly, I feel, an improvement on Gazaniga, and he certainly settles down the team in a way that Gazaniga doesn't. And he makes the defence just a little bit more calm for knowing the fact they've got a keeper behind them who's who's a great shot stopper and has kept us in the game, really, against Leipzig. Yeah, I know, I agree. And I think just having having that solution there, France is number one, Spurs is number one, it's just first name on the team sheet, sort of takes, you know, like you said, it un the unsettling factor of having Gazaniga, who by the end of his turn in goal had not proven that he wasn't quite there, but proven that maybe right now he's not ready for that. He, that feel, big step he felt up. very number two the whole time. He yeah, he did. Goal, yeah, and I there was a, there was a couple of goals towards the back end when Lloris was almost back. That one at his near post, we sort of think. Mm. And I think Lloris maybe the break actually did him good. He obviously had a lot of football. Um, he had the drink drive thing. Yeah, there was a lot going on, and maybe just being sidelined. I think he said actually when he came back in an interview that you know, he cleared his head a bit and thought about you know, life and, and football. And hopefully we'll see this Larice on a consistent basis going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, some of those saves that he made so were almost like throwback saves, weren't they? they yeah, were they were. Like he, I, I was listening to Five Live the other day, and they were talking about his starting position being very low and very deep to give himself more reaction time. Mm. I thought you really saw that in the game against Leipzig. He, he, he sort of um, made those almost like cat-like saves to, to keep us in it. And I think without him, we could have been looking at potentially 3-0 going yeah, away definitely. and tie over. Right, let's fly on. What have I got? So I've got the Joker card, so I've got the bad. Um, and it feels like with, <laughs> with the ugly that we, we covered a lot, um, where I might just go on the on the on the flip of, of of what you said there in in the bad being the overall result we're still in the time we're still in the hunt for the top four but mm -hmm. to to lose to Chelsea in that manner twice over the course of two months I suppose it's only six or so weeks isn't mm. it separating the two games I would have thought off the back of the first game there would be a reaction that seeing the way in which we sort of petered out against them in the first game, that it would be, right, there is, there's no room for error here. We've got to come into this game and, and actually go and attack it mm. and take it on. So to have the manner of that defeat was, um, was, was a, a bad for me and was something that I really struggled to reconcile. And then as a result of that, um, the bad for me is becoming that I'm not enjoying watching Tottenham at the moment. I'm finding myself watching it and thinking, like, this is not fun. This is not, like, there is, there's not much redeeming about it. I'm not watching going, oh, well, that's really interesting. Or I love what's I happening think, there. I think that's a tiny bit unfair because it was really fun before Son got injured. There, was, there, was, there were two three-twos back-to-back against Southampton and Villa. They're both pretty fun. Did you think Southampton um, was a fun game, though? Because I really uh, wasn't enjoying our performance. Yeah, I, I didn't. We yeah, it wasn't great. But I mean, I think that the, obviously the final twenty minutes from the Spurs' point of view was was pretty fun. I, to yeah. I totally accept your point. And to pick up on your first point about the manner of the defeat, yeah. there is an element of humiliation, I think, from Mourinho. The fact that Lampard has <coughs> got the better of him like that twice. Obviously, in the first game, it was Lampard's tactics that won it for Chelsea, going to the back three slash five. And in this game, Mourinho even knew what Lampard was going to do and was powerless to prevent it. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Eccleshead did a good piece for The Athletic today saying you know, Chelsea looked like a team that knew how to play with a back five and Spurs looked like a team that were reacting to their opposition having a back five and using one themselves, which yeah. is a very good point, I think. So I think the, the manner of the performance is, is humiliating for Mourinho. He's been outfoxed by his former pupil yeah. twice in two months uh, and there are caveats as we've discussed but it's not as if Lampard has been in great shakes tactically no, exactly. particularly at home and it's not as if he's been in the job for, for two or three years and that really can point to a very settled system so 
yeah, not a good look in, in those two games, I think. I, I also, just something that... I know a lot of Mourinho, in fact, had sort of put a big circle around Ben Davis and said, when this guy's back, my whole plan hangs on this guy being back. And I remember I said to you, I don't really remember this Ben Davis that that a lot of people are talking about as the sort of saviour of our season. I don't, I don't massively buy into it. And the last couple of games, I've just been like, yeah, that's the Ben Davis I know. He... He can defend relatively well. He doesn't offer you much going forward and his passing possession stats are pretty terrible when you look at it. And, uh, you know, so that, that was one of the big ones Mourinho had circled as, oh, when he's back from injury, I can, I can play a certain way again. And I just don't think we've... I know he's had other injuries since then, but I sort of wonder what defensively what he was planning to do with Ben Davis that would have been so different. I think Mourinho's use of Davis was quite strange this week as well because he said before he came back against Villa, that he wasn't fit enough to play two or three games in a row. Yeah. So I think the obvious solution was to play Tanganga midweek against Leipzig. Mm-hmm. He's done all right there as well. It's not as if he can be called a liability in that inverted left-back role. But then Davis has played three 90 minutes, yeah. and it's kind of not a huge surprise that he was the one who cracked against Leipzig and made the mistake, because he's... Yeah, Pretty rusty. I forgot that could have about been that. An ugly, couldn't it? That was very ugly. <laughs> yeah. It was certainly an ugly I challenge. Think, yeah, I did so, forget about that actually. I'm not, I'm not saying it's on Mourinho that you know that mm. would be too extreme, but it was slightly strange to say I'm not going to play this guy three times in a week and then give him 90 minutes in all three games. Yeah. And then bring Tanganga in for Aurier, um, who you know admittedly also needed the rest, but I felt like the the squad management there was slightly slightly strange. So I've got a, I've got a question that you might know. Has, has Juan Foyth? Is he just as he's injured like. at the moment. Okay, that makes that makes more sense to me. I, yeah, I, I think he's got a groin problem. I always felt like there was a there was a chance for him at right back. Oh, I feel like that's what Poch felt his future may may lie as a right wing back. Yeah, I think Foyth's a funny one because he played against Bayern and Norwich. He's only had two appearances on the Mourinho, and mm. after Bayern, Mourinho was really up on him and said, "If you want me to single one player out, it was Foyth." And then he played against Norwich and made the mistake, leading for their the first mistake, yeah. goal, I believe. Yeah, he was over overplayed. He overplayed yeah, it, yeah. And he hasn't played since. And I think recently that's been because of injury. But certainly before that, he was fit. You know, he was nineteenth mm. man, really getting on the bench. And I think, uh, I think he, there was a lot of chat about whether he would go on loan in January as well. There were certainly talks um, about whether to do that. So. Yeah, Mourinho's down on him now. It just seems bizarre to me, though, because here's a guy who starts for Argentina at right-back and centre-back, mm. and we're saying, well, we have Jafet Tanganga, who's a youth player who has always played as a centre-back throughout his career, right? He's, yeah. never, he's never really been... Um, I just, I, I honestly feel like Juan Foyth under Mourinho will isn't going to happen but I feel like we had an option at right back that, that we might never we might never that's see com- I mean that's unfortunately that's the trade off you make when you appoint Mourinho absolutely yeah, you, of course. The players like Foyth are not going to be um, you know, rightly or wrongly aren't really going to be given um, mm. time to, to play through the mistakes I mean I kept, there's, there were a lot of people at Spurs going back a, a year now and certainly in the summer who felt like Foyth should have gone on loan and I think right. you know, obviously Pochettino didn't believe in loans really um, but I can't see that they were mistaken in that. He seems like whenever he plays, he looks really good but makes a mistake. Yeah. Um, so you know, can you risk playing him in a, in a game like Chelsea, for instance? I think Tanganga's already shown that he's going to make fewer mistakes than Foyth. Yeah, I think um, that's probably quite accurate as well. I, I just wanted to... Not as good a footballer. But no, we'll, no, we'll no. We'll different make few, different we'll skills make few for different mistakes. Yeah. And he was quite fun, wasn't he? I, 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 I think, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's why he's, quite he's my sort of player. Yeah. Like, that's he, it. He's like a South American cheer chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> He's exactly. like, go on, go running. <laughs> go on. What are you doing yeah. up there, silly? Um, we have got a touch on the bad as well. Just before we move on, um, I have to say, Andon Bele, like, I love that man. Like, mm. I'm, I'm so prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt on everything, but... This weekend was not his finest 60, 70 minutes in a Spurs shirt, was it? I can't, I can't comment on him. I'm, I'm blinded Too by, blind. my, I'm blinded Too. by the fact that I just feel like he's just not being played in the position that would. I've, I've said I'd want him in that Delhi role, and every time he's come on for Delhi Alley in that role, 
I think he's played quite well. You want him further forward? I want him further forward. I don't, want, I don't particularly want him to be tracky in the midfield because I don't think he's good at it and I don't think mm. he has the heart for it, the really. He, yeah. he let a few people run past him at Chelsea and he thought, you, I, I'm finding that annoying. I wonder what Jose Mourinho is yeah. thinking on the sideline. Worryingly, but, that was kind of what came into my head as well because yeah. you know Mourinho is all about the details. He's all about these Absolutely. kind of like, you will do X, you will do Y. Yeah. And the idea that Ndombele, I think... I don't know if Chelsea scored off the back of it. There was a moment in the first half where he just sort of let someone drift off the back of him and he sort of looked up and thought, someone else would get him, weren't they? Yeah. And then realised that he had to kind of slowly get into... I think this is one of the issues, here. though. I don't know... I definitely don't, didn't watch him enough at Lyon to know what his role was. I only watched him in those big Champions League games and a handful of times in highlights. Um, so I don't know what, what he was on the pitch to really... I didn't know if he was box to box. I don't know if he was destroying the play for them. Like, but I think my, my interpretation is that Mourinho's obviously like missing a six massively, and he mm. wanted it to work with Dyer. And I think he's accepted reluctantly that it probably won't for now. Yeah, that probably Dyer needs a kind of another summer off at least to try and get fit again. Um, so he's trying to. He's tried all these different players at six, and Dundonbley was tried there, I think, at Norwich oh, God, over Christmas. It, the, uh, and the Celso's been tried there, the Winx has been tried there. Yeah. So I don't... I think he's constantly searching for a solution to that problem. Yeah. And it is a problem, um, particularly you know, with, when Yammer um, crocked as well. So <laughs> I think... Eternally. Everyone wants to see kind of maybe Winx, the Celso and Dundonbley yeah. with... with rotating midfield with a proper six but I, I, for now I think that is an area where I've got sympathy with Mourinho essentially yeah I, I, no, I agree I, I think he's, he's he's stuck and there's not a great deal of perfect solutions yeah absolutely and I've, I, I will take us on a, a, a minefield of like various other things if I carry but on yeah, and, and, Dom, and Domley needs to get, get fit yes. he does um, yeah. because he's, he's, he's been long enough now yeah. and I, I'm running out of excuse I'm the same as you guys I love yeah watching him and I've already really enjoyed uh, seeing what he can do but it's, it's time now isn't it? It, it is time it is, it is professional football and we're, <laughs> what we're two thirds through the season we can't be going or oh, when he gets fit we yeah. might we might yeah very yeah. true right I've so I've got the beautiful um, can you think of a moment that you thought god that was stunning I really well, enjoyed there's that. no one I enjoy talking about more than Eric Lamella but I think that would be a stretch <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Eric Lamella yeah, just squeeze it in yeah um, what is beautiful about the last two matches um see this is tough there's there was a couple of moments for me in Leipzig where I looked at Lo Celso and just thought oh my god you are head and shoulders at the moment our best player I think, I yeah think I mean I, t- I totally agree with that and I, and I happily talk about Lo Celso without talking about the stamp um, <laughs> I kind of yeah, like I'm going to throw out there I kind of like the stamp <laughs> the little Argentinian man stamping it, shows it, was one it. Of the, it was one of those where you know that Pochettino? Uh, Actually, Pochettino would have loved it. Would have loved it. Yeah, yeah. And Mourinho is yeah. what I meant to say. Would have, uh, would have been quietly probably I, quite I, enjoying it. Can you imagine Lamella on the way. bench going, that's my boy. Yeah, mm. taking my thing. I've been thing. speaking with him and that's... I thought, so one thing I'm going to throw out there, I think, <clears throat> I don't know how it looked on TV, and you always get a bit of a different... When you're in the stadium, you get a different feel, but I felt like Jedson had an all right game against Leipzig. I'm not going to say beautiful. But I don't know what he is, and I don't think he knows what he is. I don't know what any, anyone really knows what he is because he's so young and he's, he's he just a, played. At the moment, he's just a pair of legs. Isn't he is he? a pair of legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but a very well, he, long pair. Of I think legs. he. I think he did that fairly well against Leipzig. He put in one really good cross, which he was did. sort of surprised me. He came from nowhere. Yeah. Um, and Ali should have done better from it. Um, oh, Ali. But yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, we haven't talked about Ali. I mean, I think Lacelso is. Yeah, he's, he's a real bright spot in a sort of mm. um, sea of dark spots <laughs> <Dirge>. <laughs> at, at the moment. But he's um, yeah, he's 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 just a good footballer, isn't he? I mean, you look you look at him, you're like, yeah, he can play. And um, I'm gonna invite ridicule on myself here, but there's something there's a sort of five percent messy about him, isn't there? Just the low centre gravity, oh, the, get, the left that. foot, the way he beats people without looking like he's running that yeah. fast. Um, it's, he's just a really good player to watch and um, annoyed me that he played on the right slightly because uh, Chelsea, albeit I understood that to a degree, but I think 
at the moment, just sort of get him in the middle of the park, get him on the ball yeah. as much as you can. And, and we missed um, it massively, right? Happen. It didn't stick in the middle. It didn't... Uh, obviously, Lucas is terrible at retaining possession, which is why when he's playing through the middle, I'm just like, get him out on the wing. I think, well, this is one of the things that I thought when we were talking in the beginning about there was no other N- way. Newsflash, he's not good on the wing. So for my money, he's literally only good in the box, right? Because he he's, has fairly quick feet and his yeah. shooting is yeah. all, all right. I don't. Th- I I stand by. He's not as good as Aaron Lennon. I think. I think Lucas I is, for that. is good. You've been mocked for that. Yeah. Aaron Lennon is a much better player than Lucas. Thank yeah, you. I, I, I'm but, no, I'm not saying you. Well, Lucas, Lucas, will, Lucas will always be a Tottenham legend for obvious reasons. Yeah. And he's he really puts in a shift. Yeah. And that's commendable. And he has some qualities. But I think I'm right in saying he's got. Three assists for Tottenham. Wow! In total, one of them was the pass for Bergwijn at City recently, which wasn't meant. For wasn't Bergwijn. meant for him. One I of them was the, got into an argument about this. Pretty sure one of them was the ball boy assisted um, throw in from uh, Warrior, yeah. and I can't remember what the first. That, but that is it, as far as I'm aware. He does not get his head up enough, and I don't think that's going to change. He can't pick a pass. He, the, the, um, part of the problem with him and when we were playing him and Son was that they both like to get the head down and sort of drive towards goal and shift it and shoot. And yeah, that's why Lacelso is so important to have him in that middle role because um, he can actually play well, that role. One of the things I always thought of Aaron Lennon is that he would square a defender up. He'd square a defender up and then beat him with pace. And yes, his crossing wasn't phenomenal, but he would beat a player and get a cross in. I feel like Lucas is constantly but chasing Lennon's after the kind of player that, that if he was really on song, would could could easily have got three assists, you know, a yeah. game yeah, or a yeah. week. He could affect you know. a game. Um, I think he got about five in the, the Wigan game. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah you're, you're left wondering what what is Lucas good at. I think. That, well, know, he, he's good at winning fouls. Yeah. Um, he's good at relieving the pressure, um, winning clever fouls. He's quite good on on the counter attack. So and as you said, he's re- reasonably good. Um, in, in the box, box at yeah. getting shots off. Yeah, he's a very Mourinho player. Then I always thought with him that it, the 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 thing that Lucas was strong at, or all the things that he were good at, were things that were more prevalent when you have an out and out striker in the team who's actually occupying the defenders, and you give him a little bit more license to roam in behind in those mm. gaps in between the defence and the midfield. But right now, I think he's his his flaws are perhaps being a light is being shone on them in a way that we weren't previously seeing. Um, right, let's slide on. We're going to quickly look ahead. Spurs have got a, a full sort of week almost to prepare for Wolves. Does that fill you with confidence, the idea that maybe they could come in with a slightly different game plan? I think you think you have to be, say that's a good thing. I mean, <clears throat> where, where we, can, we should all feel a bit sorry for Mourinho, or, or not maybe, but <laughs> where, where I can sympathise with Mourinho is... It did look like it took a few weeks for him to work out how to play without Kane. And then it seems to have clicked fairly well by the time of the Villa game and obviously lost Son and, and it hasn't worked in the last two games. You know, that attack just hasn't looked potent at all. So <clears throat> more time to kind of work out a, a system with Lucas Bergwijn and company on the training ground, I think can only be a, a good thing for mm. him. Um, and he has... You know, often said how much he values time on the training ground over preparing for matches and recovering from, from matches. So, yeah, it's it's a good thing. Um, I mean, I looked at the fixtures today, and it, there's no exaggeration to say that by the end of the March we're, we're going to know, like, if Tottenham have any kind of Absolutely. hope of doing anything. I think yeah. obviously they've got the FA Cup against Norwich, the Leipzig second leg, and then there's games against I think United, yep. Sheffield United, and Wolves, plus. A trip to Burnley and a home game against West Ham. Yeah, so, so three you... top four rivals and two kind of massive banana skins. Let me run um, through them. So we go Wolves <clears throat> on the first, Norwich City at home on the fourth, mm. Burnley away on the seventh, Leipzig on the tenth of March away, and then United and West Ham at home fifteenth and twentieth of March. And I think Sheffield United after that as well. Directly so, after the international break. So April. yeah, but if not by the international break or certainly immediately after it, we should know whether Spurs have any chance of top four and if they're still in the, the cup competitions. Um, so it's a, it basically needs to this is use it. this it's week huge, yeah. wisely. Huge week. <laughs> so yeah. I have to say what I'm do you not... want to see change, mate? What would you like going into that game? 
I, I think what we said before, I'd like to see us sort of move away from the four. Uh, well, it wasn't even four four two, but I'd move away from four four two like we saw at Leipzig. The five, if we play a five, the the fullbacks, the wingbacks have to be more progressive. Because Tanganga, I understand he was sort of he was pegged back by the fact that Alonso basically plays as a left forward. But Davis has never given you that option. So it's either got to be Sessegnon, which I understand there's, I understand there's issues, and there aren't there aren't masses of uh, decisions to be made. I think Eric Lamella. I, I, I want to just to jump into it. I would quite like to see Sessegnon play further forward. Yeah, because I, so I think I. I think goals are obviously a precious commodity at the best of times, but at the worst of times, you really need goal scorers, and he does have an eye for goal. You know, he scored. 15 in the championship yeah. for Fulham when he was 16, 17. So you know, get him, get him at left wing, and you know, see if he can find, refine that, that scoring touch in the Premier League because he he does know where the, the net is, and that's yeah. important. I think it adds balance as well. That that having Cess on a left-footed left winger adds balance that we're maybe missing slightly. And then mm. you do have the option to put Bergvine, who again had played there for PSV due to injuries, there. And then I mean, or. Lucas Bergvine, but I think we need to find that balance again because at the moment it just it looks with those with Bergvine Lucas up top we just we we're, we're going to struggle to score we're going to struggle to get the play together to get up that end of the pitch and score basically. I'd like to see him give a run out to a four three three again. I know he sort of it's, it wasn't necessarily like a, a block four four two in the last game, but it, it kind of those two he was setting up with those two lines and it just felt so turgid and it felt so flat that I I, I want to see people like. What Glenn Hoddle kind of got it bang on is that I want to see people breaking lines. Yeah. I want to see that excitement of someone drifting out of attacking out of uh, midfield into attack. And I think Cessna might be a good option. I mean, that goal he scored against Bayern, yeah. Fulham fans will tell you that's something that he did quite a lot for Fulham. Mm. Just drifted into advanced positions in the box and then got on the end of things. So Charlie right. Adams said that it was the the lineup <clears throat> looked like how how they used to line up for Stoke. He said those lines are the lines that we were told to keep. And I was like, that's never. <laughs> That's never That's what, what you want to hear. But I also think um, Lamella. I know he has. He said he might not be fit to play, but he came on and looked like the only player who had some real drive and has a fair amount of fitness because he won't have played many minutes. I think he played himself into the team in in those fifteen I minutes. Um, right, AOB. Before we go on to our finisher, mm-hmm. anything that we've missed off that anyone would desperately want to flag? I just think Delhi. I just think Delhi Ali. Do you want to touch I just, on it? I just, I've, I don't. I feel like we've been saying it for a couple of years now. We might at, be actually at the make or break point of his career. I still don't know what he is. I still don't know where his best position is. I don't think he's been defined. In yeah, his role. that's a bit extreme, but I know what you mean. I think he's he's kind of got to decide whether he's elite or just another. Sort of squad player really, and and it's he's threatened to go either way, at quite a few points in the last eighteen months. Uh, but again, and just to go back to what I said about Sessegnon, I think the same thing applies. Deli Ali gets goals, Spurs need goals, play him in an advanced role, play him in his best position. I mean that was a, another frustrating element of, of Leipzig really, the fact that by playing two up front, you, you actually have two players out of position instead of one. Yep. Whereas if you're playing a four-three-three, and you have Lucas on the right. Sessegnon on the left or even Ali as a kind of advanced number 10 you, know, you work it out you get as many square pegs in square holes as you can and then you have one round peg up front because you know, someone's got to do that yeah of course um, so, th- so that's what I would like to see Mourinho do and I think Ali um, it, it's got to be a big part of that because we, we know that he can be a match yeah. winner um, on his day and he, he should do it more often the FA thing's an- another thing to, to flag because that's should be announced relatively soon whether he's going to get a charge or not and then that could be um, a game ban potentially which would just be another another nail before we sink too far a um, bit of a closer so mm. something different this week Go on. I thought we'd do Tottenham Trumps nice. so I'm going to name two players from different eras and without any rules and any defining sort of like parameters, you were going to tell me which player you preferred and why. We Lennon, we Lucas. Were, we were <laughs> yeah. yeah, weirdly, that, we were already that, that, almost that drifted us towards <laughs> yeah. that. So I'm going to give you like they're they're kind of aligned a little bit by position. We'll run through five and then I'll see. We'll listen to it back and we'll see whether we enjoy it enough to bring back next week or do it in a different format. 
So the first two I'm going to chuck at you, Gus Poyet, Scott Parker. Scott Parker, all day. I don't. So this is. I don't remember enough of Poyet at Spurs you know to what? to have a. I loved Scott Parker. Go on, so let you judge. I, I feel on. like it was at a time where Spurs, every time Spurs signed a defensive midfielder, everyone went, oh, that's what a defensive midfielder does for you. It's almost like when we got Sakura, and he just went around kicking people. And went, oh, that's quite, <laughs> I quite like that, yeah. Scott Parker, neat, neat player, ticked us over and also was next to one of the best players Spurs have ever had. Yeah, I also really like the fact that he was very hair swept over, shirt tucked into the shorts, shirt tucked pulled up high. Yeah. Sort of really represented what you wanted a DM to be at that yeah. time. I think for me, it's it's more about almost what they represent. I think Gus Poyet was had some really good moments from what I remember in the Spurs show, and he was a really really good footballer. Mm. But it was more that he was a Chelsea cast off, and that was a time when Spurs kept signing players. L- like Jamie Redknapp was another yeah. one, um, maybe even kind of Ovid Leonardson, players like that who just weren't wanted by the traditional top four and who were clearly on the way down, even if they had still had something to offer. He'd had Whereas a couple of big injuries, hadn't Scott he? Scott Parker, well. admittedly, West Ham had just gone down, I think, but I think he'd still won Football Writers Player of the Year. He still had a great season. Um, he was still relatively at the peak of his powers. Mm. Um, so Can I think it was, it, he was more, he represented, you know, a coup rather than, uh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have your, your cast do. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me chuck another one. Benny Asawakoto, Christian Zieger. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I think Asawakoto was the more consistent player in a Spurs shirt. I think as a personality, he's quite problematic. such a kind Admitted, yeah, that he didn't particularly like playing football and then tried to become a porn star, didn't he? Or attempted, yeah, attempted, I mean, attempted there, there was more questionable stuff yeah. than that. I mean, he, he really got behind um, Anelka's canal, if I remember. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, one, right. of the, one of the biggest ones I remember from him is Harry Redknapp saying that he came in at half-time and had forgotten what the score was. Really. Wow. Which I thought was quite outrageous. Um, Ziga always struck me as a good bloke as well, and there's obviously the the free kick the against free Arsenal, kick, yeah. which was iconic. He also mm. scored in a League Cup final. We saw this morning against Blackburn. He oh, scored yeah, he in the League Cup yeah. final, but we lost the. the well, game let's give it Ziga because it's, you know less Ziga fascism. And <laughs> okay, um, Robbie Keane, Teddy Sheringham. Ooh, that's tricky. Because that kind of pulls on your heartstrings a little bit, right? Because there are so many moments for either of them that you think, sharing them in that era, Tottenham, we were crap. Like, we were just not very good. And he was probably a shining light. And when he did go to United, he'd been around for a while. And then he came back as well. Mm. But Robbie Keane was synonymous with that kind of, that drift towards the, the top four. I have... I, my formative years are Robbie Keane. Are they? And I just, yeah, I'm blinded by Keane, I think. Okay, Keane, Keane for takes me. it for you. Yeah, I'm also going to go for Keane just because he's more my era mm. of growing up watching Spurs. Uh, and I'm sure this is true of Sheringham as well, but I mean, there was definitely a period shortly after Robbie Keane joined where the only good thing about Spurs was, was Robbie Keane um, <laughs> yeah. by, by a long way, and it was otherwise very, very depressing watching them. So. Robbie Keane takes it. it. He scored some brilliant goals as well, Robbie Keane. He had the classic, if it's set up, I'm just going to whack it. Yeah. And, and I'd, you know, you think and of he, Chelsea immediately I'm thinking there. of Chelsea immediately. Yeah, I'm also, I remember going to see Brighton. I actually wrote a piece about it once. I went to see Brighton and I'd just moved to Brighton with my family. And we were, Brighton, had, it was one all in the FA Cup with about two minutes left and all I could think was all these Brighton fans at school were going to absolutely kill me. <laughs> and then Robbie Keane scored an absolute worldy volley and I was like, yes. Thank God for that. Thank God. Um, two final ones. Ian Walker, Aurelio Gomez. Gomez for me. What did you like about Gomez? I just liked that he was really eccentric mm. uh, and watchable. You know, the... the Pretending to be injured all the time. <laughs> the gum the, shield. The throwing, yeah, the gum shield. <laughs> the throwing, the throwing instead of kicking. Throwing instead of kicking was very Bizarre. endearing yeah. to I me. Like the, I like the Spurs signed him on the back of a, um, a good performance against them as well. In, it was the, very was kind of 2000 scouting. He was good. Was it like a Euro um, so you'd see a keeper do Yeah, I never had a lot of love for Ian Walker anyway. Just always struck me as a slightly weird bloke. But, I mean, <laughs> this is, he's, again, slightly before my time. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say slightly before my time. Yeah, Gomez for his strangely brilliant penalty saving ability as well. 
Do you remember the game against Arsenal as well? The one that was Spurs won the top two. four clincher. Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, and made three or four fingertip saves. Didn't yeah. he make a save from Sol Campbell as well? Is that right? Campbell had, had a brilliant. Van Persie was the Van Persie one, the top corner. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, he was he was a brilliant goalkeeper as well. On top of all the sort of mm. things that made him more endearing. Okay, and then I've got one that's a little bit too old school. I think probably final one: Chris Armstrong, Les Ferdinand. Well, that's no, that's not too old school. Um, Chris Armstrong scored in the first ever Tottenham game I went to. Same for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't Everton at home, was it? No, okay. no. He scored twice on the opening day of the season. I can't, I can't remember what the game was. But when we our first away game I think I ever went to, we were in the yellow strip, Hewlett Packard on the front with the oh, yeah. blue arms. He scored twice, and we, again we were quite average at the time. I'm playing with Stephen Eves. What year is that? Do you think? Ninety-five, six. Okay, potentially. Yeah. Um, but then there's Ferdinand, I think, might have scored in the first uh, win that I ever saw Tottenham get at home against Newcastle. He was playing alongside Jurgen Klinsmann. Which wow. Was. I mean, Ferdinand was a better player. Um, and I also think <coughs> he's kind of, you know, you know he, he's he, he's forging a really good career for himself in the game. Yeah. Um, he's. I think he's going to go on to... Big things, you know. I could see him, you know, in quite a senior position for the FA in the future, something like that. Um, so I think he's a really impressive character and a nice guy. Chris Armstrong apparently is like not interested in football anymore. No way. Yeah, and 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 has kind of dreadlocks down to his waist and is like a real character. I don't know much about him. Oh I'm going How do we find yeah, that? Yeah. How do we Let's find that? Let's him. Yeah. Uh, I'll give. I'll, I'll give. I'll give it to, to Les. I think. Superb. Yeah, I think Les takes it. Magic. Right. That's all for me. I will. I will get some. I think we'll make it faster in next week's show and we'll try and get a few more in there. We'll do it at random as well. Mm. Um, but Dan, thanks so much for, for sitting down with us. I'm sorry that the injury boys, we've got two Darren Andertons this week yeah. flying off with, with sick nights. Right. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, hopefully we haven't been too negative. Although having said that, the, the Look, there's going to be good weeks, there's going to be bad weeks and this this week wasn't a particularly good week. There'll be good, there will be good weeks, don't worry. Right, leave us your five stars if you can. Subscribe and, uh, and make sure that you get in touch on Twitter. We're at Oh What A Night Pod on Twitter. And you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan. Okay, is it just Dan KP? Do you want me to tell you while we're, while we're live? Just pe- people know me. <laughs> Dan KP. I think it's Dan underscore KP. It's Dan underscore KP. Yeah. And you are. Just Hunter Godson, I think. God, what a good name. <laughs> Sickening. And I'm at Ben Haynes with two S's at the end. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll speak to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.